You are listening to Press Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message. The title of the sermon today is Do Not Give Up. Do Not Give Up. There was a company, I believe it's by the name of Statista, who surveyed 531 U.S. adults on November 2020, and they asked them, what would be your most popular New Year's resolution if you were planning to make at least one? If you're going to make at least one New Year's resolution, what would be your top 10? They polled 531 And these are the things that people said. 44%, almost half of the 531 said they wanted to exercise more. Yep. 42%, still almost half, said they wanted to eat healthier. They said, I want to exercise more. Half of them then, they said, I still want that Big Mac every once in a while. I'll take number two is eating healthier. Number three, at 34%, they said they wanted to spend more time with their family and their friends. 31%, the number four top New Year resolution out of these 500 people, said they wanted to lose weight. I don't understand how you want to exercise more, but lose weight, there's a correlation there usually. 30% said they wanted to live more economically. 24% said they wanted to spend less time on social media. We should take that up on our lives. 23% said they wanted to improve their performance on their job. 20% said they wanted to reduce stress on their job. And then the last two, 19% said they wanted to quit smoking. 15% said they wanted to cut down on alcohol. We can all agree that those are all good resolutions to follow up on in regards to their life. But there's another statistic that I read that said 80% of New Year's resolutions end by February. That we are on the verge of getting through February, and 80% of people in America will walk away from their New Year's resolutions. It says here in the study that only 8% survive the whole year. Only 8% of those In January, December 31st, as the fireworks are popping, as they're kissing their spouse, they said, this is the year. I'm going to see change in my life. I'm going to see something happen, something different. I'm going to get healthier. I'm going to let some stress go. I'm going to quit watching so much social media. I'm going to spend more time with my friends and family. I'm going to give up some vices. And by February... They said, nah, way too hard. Way too hard to get in shape, way too hard to get healthier, way too hard to give up eating. Whatever the resolution is, 80% say, I want to go back to the comfortable life. I'm tired of eating kale, tired of eating protein shakes. Give me a Big Mac, give me a Whopper, put those in the shake, and maybe I'll eat it then. Got to have this, I've got to have that. I can't stay away from my social media. What are people saying? What are people doing? 80% have given up in regards to their physical New Year's resolution. And only 8% will make it all the way to the end of the year saying, I did it. 
I got my finances under control. I got my health under control. I got in shape. I, I did what I said that I wanted to do. Now think about this. If it's 80% of the people give up in regards to a physical resolution, how many people are giving up in regards to the Word of God? How many people are standing and believing for something to happen in their lives and in a couple of days, in a couple of months, in a couple of hours, they say, well, God didn't answer, God doesn't care, God doesn't know, and therefore I'm going to go back to my comfortable living. I tried this church thing out once, yeah, I'll go back to enjoying my Sundays. I tried this giving thing out once, didn't work for me, felt like I was just throwing money away. I tried this praying thing out, I tried to read the Bible, and I just got tired and sleepy, and I read through Leviticus, and I don't understand what it's saying. It's talking about all these laws and rules, and this person begot this person who begot this person, and then there's these red letters, and then at the end, there's a dragon, and God sitting on the throne. I, I, I tried it, I don't understand. But hopefully today, we can encourage you and remind you to not give up. To not give up in believing what God has spoken to you so many years ago. To not give up and think that God doesn't care, that God's not listening, and go back to your everyday life. I don't want to see what you've believed for, what you've stood for, what, what you've been standing for all these years, or at the beginning of this year, to give it up by February. Say, well, I asked God, I tried to do this. I tried to show up, I tried to pray, and he didn't answer, so I'm just going to go. Let's be that 8% that makes it all the way through to see the promise and the fulfillment of the Word of God show up in our lives. The scripture that I want to talk to you today and highlight today is a scripture that you in the women's Bible study have probably read here recently, Galatians chapter 6. For those who don't know, the women have been studying Galatians. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9, we're going to take this scripture, we're going to dive into it, and talk about it, and let us, say that's me, that's me, let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Other translation says if we do not give up. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not give up or do not lose heart. If you remember back in the day in school, we used to diagram sentences. You'd break every word and sentence structure apart and, and we'd have this long formula thing. So we're going to dive into this one scripture today and let us. Let us means that we have a choice. Let us, the English definition of let us means to give opportunity to or fail to prevent, to cause, to make. And as I'm encouraging you today to not give up, at the beginning of this scripture says, and let us reminds us that each and every one of us has a choice. We get to choose today, right now, in this moment, am I going to give up? You might have laid down on your pillow last night and said, I'm done with it. In your tears, in the shower, you could have said, I can't handle this anymore last week. 
You could have been driving to work in frustration, saying, I'm not going to do this anymore. That we have a choice to decide if, when we are going to give up. That yes, there's all kinds of factors all over us that can affect those choices, but I have the choice today, right now, if I'm going to give up or if I'm going to continue to believe what God has said. In Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 and 15, Joshua is about to pass away, and he's speaking to the children of Israel, and he says, Now therefore, fear the Lord, serve Him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. And he says, Serve the Lord. In case you need a hint... In case you want to know what direction you need to go, in case you need a choice, either between serving God or serving another God, he says, serve the Lord. Look at verse 15. It says, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you dwell. But look at Joshua making this statement, making this declaration. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You have a choice today to decide who you're going to serve. Who you're going to serve. The Scriptures, it says, whose report are you going to believe? And in the Scriptures, it answers it. We shall believe the report of the Lord. Encouraging you not to give up. You have a choice right now in this moment. You might have given up up to this point. You might have given up on God. You might have given up on your marriage. You might have given up on your Christianity. You might have given up on your health. You might have given up on all of those things. But today, right now, you have a choice. Don't give up. Who are you going to serve? Joshua is asking these people, who are you going to serve? The one who pulled you out of Egypt? The one who has saved you from battle after battle after battle? The one who brought manna from heaven? The one who brought quail from heaven? The one who brought a cloud from heaven? The one who brought fire from heaven? The one who brought the temple and the Ark of the Covenant from heaven to where His presence is sitting and residing with you? Or are you going to go serve the gods in Egypt? The dead gods of the Amorites and the Amalekites and the Philistines. Who are you going to serve? And he encourages you to serve the Lord. When I was in India, when I was in Bible school, went to India for a month and and served a, a missionary there, one of the missionaries that we still serve and support even here at the church, Judith. And the thing was, when we taught and preached to these different towns and these different villages, It was important that we told the people in regards to the gospel message was that there was only one God. You see, in India, they serve every God. There are millions and millions and millions of gods that they can serve. There's a God that could deform a tree, or there's a a kid or a, 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 a cow or an animal that was deformed, and they say, that's a God, let's serve it. And the different religions and things that were there, it was very easy as we would preach to them to say, this is the God, the one who created the universe, the one who sent his son to die. And we would explain who this God is to the people. And they would say, yeah, that's fine. We'll serve that God. 
I said, no, 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 what we had to teach and what we had to preach to these people is that Jesus is the way, he is the truth, he is the life, that there is no other way to God except through him. And all of a sudden, that is where the turmoil started. Because the Indian people were so okay with receiving just another God. It's like putting another egg in their basket. Well, I serve the tree God, I serve the water God, I serve the sky God. Who's your God? I'll take him too. Who's your God? Yep, he sounds good too. And as you would walk down these villages, there would be three paths almost in every village. One, one path, one road would have houses of people that were Christians. Another one would be a path of the, the Hindu people. And then another path would be the Muslim. And you didn't walk down any of those streets unless you were one of those and believed one of those religions. You have a choice to serve the one true God and believe the one true God. That even now in America we have so many religions that we could lean into. Scientology, Islam, Hindu, atheist. It's even the religion of actually serving and worshiping Satan, hanging out with him. Boy, that sounds fun. Yay. But what's different about our religion, what's different about Christianity than all of those other religions is all the other religions say you have to do this to get to God. And our religion says God did everything he could to get to us. Praise God. And that's why I serve him. If there was another God who did as good of things that I see my God doing, then I'd go to that one. I'd go to that church. I'd go to that religion. But I've tasted and seen how good He is, and I choose Him every time. Let us not grow weary. And let us not grow weary. That word weary in the Greek means to be weary, to be exhausted, to lose courage, or to faint. And let us not grow weary. Which means we're growing. Let us not grow weary while doing good. Which means while we're doing good, we're growing. But we get to decide how we're going to grow. Am I going to grow more exhausted? Am I going to grow more tired? More frustrated? More angry? Well, I go to church every Sunday and I haven't got my prayer answered. I even throw money in the bucket. I still got bills due. How's that person at work who doesn't even go to church, who cusses and does all this stuff, how do they get the promotion but not me? I'm working hard. I'm doing good. I'm doing everything I can. And let us not grow weary while doing good. I read my Bible. I pray, and he hasn't talked to me. He hasn't said anything. He hasn't shown up. I want a miracle. That we can grow weary and tired while doing good. Can I be honest with you as a pastor and being in ministry for over 10 years now? Sometimes ministry is not that fun. Sometimes ministry is tiring. Sometimes helping people gets tiring. But I'm doing good. And all the churches that we've served at, to sit down with people and counsel them and pray with them, whether it was youth, whether it was adults, whether it was kids, and hear what they're going through, hear what's going on.
seeing the disgusting face of humanity in people's lives, and it can get tiring at times. Even doing good, even standing up here preaching. Preaching is exhausting, by the way. <laughs> you should try it. Come on up here, somebody. <laughs> Read my notes. But don't grow weary while doing good. Which means that we can grow and grow in the right way while doing good. That instead of being exhausted, instead of being tired, instead of being frustrated, we can be energetic, we can be fresh while doing good. They that wait upon the Lord, He'll renew them, give them wings like evil, eagles, not evil, <laughs> eagles. They will run and not grow weary, will walk and not faint. And we make the choice, and I'm not going to go, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep doing good, and while I'm doing good, I'm not going to pitch a fit, I'm not going to get tired, I'm not, I'm going to keep going, I'm not going to give up. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12, for the word of God is living, for the word of God is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. How can I not grow weary? Because sometimes when I'm doing good, doing good, doing good, and it seems like there's all kind of bad happening around me, or I'm doing good and I'm expecting something good to happen, we always hear out there in the real world when it comes to karma, you do good, you get good. Well, I did five good things today. I should have at least one good thing happen to me. How do we not grow weary, and this is it right here, the Word of God. All you need is one word from God that can refresh you, that can restore you. It says that His Word is living. His Word is breathing. His Word is active. His Word is powerful. All I need is one word. All I need is one scripture. All I need is one moment with Him that can remove all of the weariness. That can help me keep going forward and not giving up. I'm believing for God to do this. I'm going to take a step forward. I'm believing God to do this. I'm going to take a step forward. Oh, well, if I fall, it says that if a righteous man falls, he can get right back up. I'm going to keep going. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to see my miracle. I'm going to see the revelation. I'm going to see God's face. I'm going to see this situation change. I'm being honest. That's really why I don't come up with New Year's resolutions anymore. I go to this book, and I go to God, and I say, give me a word for this year. Talked about it. My word for 2021 is direction. And boy, would you not know that I already needed direction by the end of February. There are several things that have happened in my life right now where I thought, I don't know what, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to accomplish this. This is something new that has fallen on my plate. And you know what? There are things that I'm seeing in my life that are on the horizon that I'm going to need direction for. There are some things that I can see coming in the rest of this year that I need direction for. I don't do New Year's resolutions anymore. I just say, God, you've got to give me a word. 
You've got to give me a scripture. You've got to give me something. Scripture he gave me was Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, but the second part of 6, and he will direct your path. That's all I need. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing, but he said he was going to give me direction in 2021, so I just keep going to him. I just keep going to him. God, I need direction. You said I was getting direction. You're going to direct my path. Where do I go? What do I do? I'm not going to grow weary. I'm not going to get exhausted. I'm just going to keep relying on your word. I'm going to keep relying on your word, and by relying on your word, there is power. There is life-breathing, active word happening in my life that can help me keep moving and going forward. Don't give up, and let us not grow weary while doing good. While doing good, that word good in the Greek, kalos, K-A-L-O-S, means doing good, beautiful by reason of purity of heart and life, and hence praiseworthy, morally good and noble. Morally good and noble. Don't grow weary while doing good doing morally good things, doing noble things. In 2 Thessalonians 3.13, the writer of Thessalonians is the same writer of Galatians. It's Paul in there. He's writing to do two different churches and basically says the two, the same exact scripture. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. He's telling a completely different church. He's writing a letter to a completely different church and says almost the same exact scripture that he did in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in well-doing. My pastor says this, and I say it, and believe it as well. If you get so busy doing the good that you're not going to have time to do the bad. If you just get focused doing the good, you're just not going to have time to do the bad. The reason that Jeremiah Land has not committed adultery on his wife because I've been so focused on doing the good. I'm not sliding into people's DMs in social media, checking them out, seeing what's going on. Deleted majority of social media from my phone just to avoid the temptation of it. I've avoided going to the bars, talking with chicks, taking my wedding ring off and hanging out in whatever hangout places there are to meet ladies. I'm at home taking care of my wife and my family, buying her flowers every once in a while, cleaning up the house, helping her, loving on her. I'm so busy doing the good that I don't have time to go do the bad. I'm not doing heroin. I hear it's good. People say that it's, it's a fun time. But I also hear it's pretty bad. I'm not putting myself in positions to go do drugs because I'm too busy doing the good. I'm not, I'm not frequenting the local crack house to, to hang out and see what's going on. I'm not scouring the internet trying to figure out how to buy drugs. These are extreme cases, obviously, but... I'm staying at home and I'm working. I'm taking care of my family, calling my friends, helping with the church and doing those things. I'm so busy doing the good, I don't have time to do the bad. If you find yourself doing the bad, then make more time to do the good. 
But as for you, brethren and sister, do not grow weary in doing good. Don't grow weary in it. It's okay to do the good thing. Go out there and, and take care of, remember your body is the temple? Let's take care of our temple. Let's take care of our family and our household. Let's not give up. That We're so focused on doing the good, doing the morally right thing, that we don't have time to sin. If you're saying, well, I have this sinning problem. Okay, then do something else. Just do, do something else. Start doing good. In the moments that you normally do the sinning thing, take that time and do something good. Chew on that. Maybe it'll work. I believe it will. We're almost done. It's only one scripture. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season. For in due season, which means your time here on earth, there's a season. I don't really know what season we're in right now. Cold crazy chaos season that we're in, that in due season, something's going to happen. Something's going to change. Knowing that there's a due season means that you can't give up. I don't know what season you're in. I I don't know what season something's happening, something's changing in your life. I I don't know where you're at. We can sit down and talk and see what's going on, but I, I don't know what season you're in. You might be on the verge of a season of freedom and deliverance. And if you give up and you go back to the comfortable way of living, you might miss it. For in due season, look at Romans chapter 13, verse 11. Romans chapter 13, verse 11 says, And do this. Paul is not trying to shy away when he's making this statement. Hey, guess what? Do this. Knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. What if today's your day to receive that miracle? What if today's the day when you walk out, you get that phone call, you get that text? What if when you go to work tomorrow, everything changes? What if what you've been leaving for, you've been been sowing for, you've been standing for, you've been praying for, everything that you've been believing for, what if today's the day that your miracle's supposed to happen? What if the healing shows up? What if the restoration happens? What if the, the, the relationship turns around? What if the long lost son or daughter calls you and says, Daddy, I'm coming home. Mom, I'm coming home. But if you give up and you walk away and say, I can't trust God anymore. He hasn't answered up to this time. Why would he answer today? For in due season you shall reap. Now is the time to wake up. Now is the time more than ever. Your salvation is so near. God is present. He is active. His word is powerful and living. Which means right now at any time, at any moment, it can manifest and show up in your life. In due season. 1 Corinthians 15, 33-34. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. If you've got bad habits, check your surroundings. And a lot of times when we read this scripture, we talk about our friends and our family. We'll get rid of those people. But evil company can also be you. It can also be yourself. That you've put yourself in a place 
where you keep stumbling and falling and failing and messing up. Can't get rid of yourself. But with God's help, you can work on yourself. With God's presence and His blood and His Holy Spirit, it says He will guide you into all truth. He'll lead you and guide you into all truth. He'll help you. The Holy Spirit, remember we talked about You're his temple. He resides inside of you. And his name is comforter. His name is helper. Helper. That the God who lives inside of you, his main name is helper. He's ready to help you. And if you hang out with him, good company, it doesn't corrupt good morals. It enhances good morals and good habits find yourself having bad habits, you need to check your surroundings and check yourself. Look at verse 34. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Awake to righteousness and do not sin. For some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Both scriptures in Romans and in Corinthians, it says wake up. Wake up. In due season, something can happen. Something can change. Don't give up. Don't quit believing. Awake to righteousness. Paul doesn't beat around the bush to the church of Corinth. Do not sin. We don't condone it. We don't approve of it. Don't sin. But luckily you have an advocate with the Father. The man Jesus Christ. The mediator Jesus Christ. Who can help you overcome your sin. Help you in your time of need. For in due season. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is. Well, when is, when is faith? Now. You could have walked in and not believe that God could take care of you. You could have walked in and believe that God doesn't care, God doesn't want you, God hates you, God's embarrassed of you, God won't forgive you of your sins, God won't let you in heaven. You could have walked into those doors and thought that. But in Hebrews 11.1 it says, now, as soon as you make the decision, I'm not going to give up, now faith is. As soon as you read this scripture and you might have sickness in your body and have been sick year after year after year after year, now faith is when you read the scripture that greater is he that's in me than anything that's in the world. That he sent his word and it healed my body and healed all the diseases. That by Jesus' stripes my body is already healed. Now faith is and it can manifest right now. As soon as you hear the word of God, faith can rise up inside of you and a now moment can happen, but it has to happen with hearing the word of God. Getting a word from him, understanding that that is what triggers. Faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of God. And as soon as you hear the word of God, now can manifest in your life in due season. We shall reap. For in due season, we shall reap. That word reap means therizo, T-H-E-R-I-Z-O. It means absolutely, it's the reward of well-doing. Absolutely. It's the reward of well-doing. So if we're going to reap, then that means we've had to have sowed something. You can't just reap a harvest if you don't put seeds in the ground. So my question to you is, what are you sowing? 
We use this principle when we talk about giving all the time, but this is not just a giving principle. This is a principle that you can apply to your life in every capacity. Galatians chapter 6, we're going to read 7 through 10, which includes our scripture verse 9. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. God is not going to be mocked, he's not going to be made fun of. This is a truth that will apply in all aspects of your life. We use this, yes, when we talk about giving, but it applies in every aspect of your life. Whatever you're sowing into your life, that's what you're going to reap. The next scripture, he expounds on that in verse chapter, in chapter 8. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. See, it has nothing to do with money. It's a principle that you can apply to any area of your life. If you sow to the flesh, then you're going to reap flesh, and what that reap and what that harvest looks like is corruption. The wages of sin is death. No ifs, ands, or buts. If you sin, eventually death is going to happen. If you keep sinning in your marriage, there's going to be death to that relationship. You keep sinning in certain areas of your life, there is going to be death outside of the grace and the gift of God to help you. If you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap the flesh, and the harvest of that is corruption. But we're not going to end on that, because that's not the way we work here. We want to see what God has to say. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life, praise God. Verse 9, this is where we saw our scripture. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Verse 10 says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now we understand out there in the real world, there are some grumpy people out there. There are some people who aren't the kindest, who aren't the most generous, who aren't the most loving. And when we interact with them, ah, It's not really the best. And some of them are in your family. Some of them are in your circle of influence. So he says, if you have the opportunity, do good to all, to everybody you come in contact with. Because he knows the principle that if you do good and you sow good, you're going to reap good. He says, but especially do that to the household of faith, brothers and sisters. We in the household of faith take care of each other. We help each other. We sow into each other's lives. We give to each other in every capacity, knowing that we're going to reap a harvest. We shall reap. So what are you sowing? What are you sowing in your life? We talk about this over and over and over again, that life and death is in the power of the tongue, and those that speak it are going to eat of that fruit. What? are you putting into your life? If you're not happy with where you're at in your life, then you need to start sowing in a different direction. If you're not happy with what's going on, instead of just giving up, saying, well, God don't care about me. He don't love me, I guess. I must be too big of a sinner for him to care. No, no, no. We need to pivot. We need to change. We need to move our direction to the Word of God. Not give up. Not throw our hands up and say, well, never going to church again. Never going to read my Bible again. No, no, no. We need to lean in more. We need to get that word from God. 
So in due season, we can look back in a day, in a week, in a month, in a year, in a decade and say, look what God has done. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. Praise be to God. He saved me. He restored me. I know what I look like back then, but today I'm somebody completely different because I'm reaping what I've been sowing in a positive way. And the last thing, we're finishing with this. The last part of the scripture says, if we do not lose heart, if we do not give up. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we don't give up, if we don't lose heart. We've got to keep believing God's word over our circumstances. We see throughout the scriptures people, person after person after person, who has these promises from God, and it takes this long due season for them to reap it. Eve is standing there in Genesis chapter 3, and she is told by God that your seed will crush the devil's head. Now if I'm Eve, and my first child is born, I think, here's my seed, we're about to, boy, we're about to get out of this. Childbirth was not fun, just like he said it wasn't. My husband is toiling and tealing the ground, and there's stickers and thorns and everywhere, and here is my seed, Cain, he is going to save us and restore us. Then he has, she has another boy. Two boys. Woo! Which one of these seeds is going to take care of us and save us? Oh, one of the boys killed the other boys. Okay, well, this, this didn't work out. And she ends up dying after she has many children and thinks, well, he said that his, my seed was going to crush his head. But none of that happened. She died, depending on, you can read in the scriptures, we believe she went to Abraham's bosom with those who believed in God, it was in Guyana, and she's just hanging out with Adam, Abraham, and Moses, and Joshua, and all those, and one day she hears this commotion, and this fella by the name of Jesus walks into Abraham's bosom, and he's holding the keys of death, hell, and the grave, and he's kicked the devil in the mouth, and he's got these wounds on him. And he says, this is the prophecy of Genesis chapter 3. I've crushed his head, and let's go up to heaven with me. That she did not see the fulfillment of it in that first generation. And she could have said, well, God doesn't care. Abram is promised to be the father of many nations, and he has no children. Then God changes his name to Abraham, the God of the father of many. And he has to introduce himself with not having one kid. And his wife getting older and older and older in her physical body. <clears throat> but it says in Hebrews 11 that his wife Sarah judged God faithful. In Genesis it says she laughed at him. But something happened where God remembered and Hebrews said she judged me faithful. Had that kid and look at us now. Joseph has this dream and vision. He goes through all this turmoil, ends up in jail and says, well, this is, I'm growing very weary and doing good. Could have given up right then and there. But then he becomes the second in command of Egypt at the time as his brothers are bowing down to him. I hear you, Liza, we're finishing. <laughs> King David is anointed with oil right in front of all of his brothers. 
Everyone hated him, and the prophet anoints him as king, and there's still a king on the throne, and then that king tries to kill him, and he's hiding in the cave, and you can read in Psalms the turmoil that he goes through. You can see him going through the weary steps. He says, my God, why have you forsaken me? What are you doing? Where are you at? Your presence is on me. Your presence leaves. People are trying to kill me. What's going on? But he stayed faithful. He didn't give up. And now he is known as the man after God's own heart. What about Jesus? Shows up on the earth and is rejected by all. He has these interactions with people. And there are some people who get healed instantly. Other people who have to start walking home and get healed. He raises the dead. That we see their due seasons happening all over the place. Touch the hem of his garment and I'm healed. Well, let's go to the house and we'll raise the dead. Jesus is about to go die on the cross. And he keeps telling everyone that I'm going to die and I'm going to rise again in three days. I'm going to die for your sins and I'm going to rise again the third day. And then he's on the cross. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he could have given up there. He could have called down angels from heaven, taken him away. He could have said, no, we're done. God, you've, where are you at? What's going on? But he doesn't. He takes one more step of faith and he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he died and three days later, here he comes. We can talk about the Apostle Paul who was a Pharisee who had people bowing down, throwing their coats at him, almost worshiping him for how good of a Pharisee he was. He could have taken all of those things, but he didn't. He pursued the gospel calling that was upon his life and he got beaten, he got killed, he got shipwrecked, but he didn't give up. At the end of it, he said, I ran the race that I was supposed to run. I am ready to go to heaven now. With all these men and women that we see in the scriptures, Hebrews chapter 12, 1 through 3, therefore we also, that's us, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and sin, which so easily ensnares us. Listen to this, family. Don't give up. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before you today, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3, For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. How do you not become discouraged and weary in your soul? Remember the gospel. Remember the message of what Jesus did for you, that Christ died for your sins. He was buried in a tomb, and he rose again the third day. And that is what will propel you to not give up and move forward in your life. Don't give up. In my last scripture... Philippians 3, 14. The reason we are called what we are called, press church, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Don't give up, family. Don't give up. Keep pressing toward the goal. Whatever scripture you're standing on, whatever you're believing for, whatever you need God to do, do not give up. Do not let this be the month like 80% of the people give up when it comes to their New Year's resolutions. Get a word from God in your heart. Get a word from God in your spirit and propel yourself forward. I will be the 8% that steps on the other side of this year and says, look what the Lord has done. I'm not giving up. I'm not going to quit believing. I'm going to see him faithful all the way to the end. I'm going to judge him faithful just like Sarah did. 
I might not have gotten my answer. I not, not, might not have seen the resolution, the miracle, the signs and wonders that I've wanted up to this point, but I'm not giving up. I'm going to push forward and press forward and see the hand of God move in my life and in your life. Amen? Let's stand up. Father, we thank you for today. I thank you that I am in a room full of people that will not give up. They are making the choice today. Now faith is the moment that they make the decision to not give up. They are going to press forward. They are going to move forward. They are going to stand on the word of God that you've given them, whether it was this year, whether it was 20 years ago, whenever it was, they are making the decision today that they are not going to give up in regards to their Christian walk. They're going to stand and trust that God is who he says he was, that we believe that God is good. And if God is good, then he's going to do good things. And if he's going to do good things, then he's going to do good things to me. And he's going to do good things to the people here in Press Church. Father, I thank you for each and every person here. I thank you that you are with them, you are encouraging them, that you are inside of them as your temple is here and established, Father, that as it is in heaven, let it be here on earth in my life, in my circumstance, in my thing. Father, I speak miracles, signs, and wonders to each and every person here. God, you move in their situation. God, you speak. We release the angels now to go and move and manifest and do whatever they need to do to bring them the resolution that they need to the heart's cry and the desires of their hearts, Father. Father, I thank you for this word that it will not return void. It will accomplish exactly what it's supposed to do in our lives. Father, I thank you that you're moving and breathing in Press Church and in this community. Father, I thank you that right now, by Jesus' stripes, each and every person here is already healed. Father, we lift up Connie and Frankie right now, and we speak healing into their bodies. We speak healing into their household right now, that he that the sun sets free is free indeed, and we rebuke this COVID virus off of both of them right now. In the name of Jesus, be healed. In the name of Jesus, lungs open up. Cough, stop. We speak healing into their bodies. Father, you know that there are other people here whose family and friends are dealing with sickness and disease that are in the hospital, and in Jesus' name, you fill those hospital rooms and you bring healing to their bodies now in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that we are the head and not the tail. We are above and not beneath. We're blessed in the city and blessed in the field and everything we put our hands to must prosper. Father, I thank you that everyone here is the salt and light of the earth and that we will go out and share this gospel message with each and every person we come in contact with. Now, Father, bless your people, protect your people, cause your face to shine on each and every person here and bring them peace, bring them back safely next Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you on Saturday at the workday or Tuesday at the women's Bible study or Sunday at church. God bless you, family. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.